This is the Swan Song Financial Show with Kevin and Michael Anthony from Golden Years Financial Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Kevin and Michael provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the Swan Song Financial Show with Kevin and Michael Anthony. Well, hello and welcome back to the Swan Song Financial Show. My name's Kevin Anthony. And I'm Michael Anthony. And we're with the organization called Golden Years Financial Advisors. We hope you like the information you hear today on our show and past shows. And give us a call if you have any questions, uh, any comments, or any input. Phone number is 574-968-SWAN. That's 574-968. That's 574-968-7926. And at our organization, the uh, SWAN stands for Sleep Well at Night. Michael, that's how we feel about a good a financial plan that incorporates a lot of the things that we're talking about is having a sleep well at night uh, retirement. It really creates some security, right? It does create security. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to talk about today is some things about the SECURE Act. Nice lead in right there. <laughs> but if anybody, if you like the information there on our show and you want to check us out, check us out the website. You can access us, access us with App Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or on our website, get some uh, shows and the uh, in the past here and I'd recommend we're doing like part two of some tax work here and you may want to go back and look at part one so you know typically we have Tony Shore here so I'm a little lonely without Tony Shore as our co-host but looking forward to him being back with us next week Michael I can't wait I miss him he brings a good vibe into the group he is an awesome person so today we're going to talk about the uh, second part of our show being the Again, combining that Tax Cut and Jobs Act that we talked about where tax brackets were down and decreased and some of the lowest tax brackets in history, uh, along with the SECURE Act and also the CARES Act, and talk about maybe some planning ideas for all these particular things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the biggest thing that we really talked about when it came to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was, again, that the tax brackets were deflated a little bit. And, you know, the amount of funds that you could have from taxable income in each bracket was kind of extended. Right. So deflated and then kind of stretched horizontally. And, you know, we really talked about how it's important to know that it's already written into the tax law that we are expected to go up in taxes and at the end of 2025. It's already been written in that there's going to be an adjustment. And I don't know about you, dad, but I think that we might have a little bit more debt at that point in time than what we even <laughs> originally planned. So I don't see them really going down, in my opinion. No, I don't see that happening. You know, we all like a good deal and a good sale, Michael. So uh, what we'll say here is like, I think taxes are on sale for the next five years, folks. And uh, I, I, we don't have that crystal ball, but it's already building for built in for the brackets to actually revert back to where they were before. And then we have accumulated uh, a pretty substantial amount of debt. So probably a good chance uh, that brackets are going to go up and it might be a really good time in the history of these low tax brackets to do some great tax planning. 
I would completely agree. And then uh, let's kind of move into the Secure Act as well. What are some of the key points that we hit on last time? I know we really dug into a couple, but what were they? Yeah, the, the probably the two really big ones we talked about so far was the idea of uh, required minimum distributions out of your qualified money uh, going from age 70 and a half up to age 72. Uh, and again, if you were already taking required minimum distributions before January 1st of this year, 2020, then you need to continue to take those required minimum distributions. And we do know that the CARES Act has waived that this year. We're going to talk about that here coming up. Uh, And the other part of that is probably the whole idea of the uh, stretch IRA. I mean, the previous uh, tax law had a stretch IRA where you could stretch your benefits of uh, inheriting an IRA if you're a individual that's named as on an IRA or a plan beneficiary or even a qualifying trust, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, that you could stretch those distributions over your lifetime and typically save you enormous amount of taxes and also um, create a fantastic legacy, Yeah, create the legacy. And so the new new tax law changes we're talking about eliminated that stretch IRA and replaced it with a 10 year payout uh, for all beneficiaries. And I guess one thing we didn't touch on is all beneficiaries except eligible designated beneficiaries and though it's a catchy words here but there are a few groups that can still have that stretch ira so like if you're a surviving spouse you've got that opportunity to be have the stretch ira if you're a mild minor child but be real careful not a grandchild has to be a minor child up to the age of majority, you can stretch it out. But when you do become age of majority, then it goes to the 10 year rule. So be careful there. Exactly. So if I was, let's say 10, I would have eight years become age of majority and then boom, you hit the 10 year rule at that time. Okay. And so by the time you're age 28, you have to make sure it's fully liquidated. Cause again, if you don't liquidate it after the 10 years, What's the penalty? A 50% penalty because you failed to take your required minimum distribution. Yeah. And whose responsibility again here? We're summarizing and whose responsibility is that? Mine. And unfortunately, I forgot. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think that's going to get waived uh, typically in most situations because these are going to be large, large penalties. And really, we're talking probably 2030 before we actually start seeing these penalties. And oh, you, yeah. you take a look at maybe like a $300,000 IRA that somebody's waiting on taking distribution past that 10 years because there might be higher income years right now. That with the accumulation, and everything else, that could be a half a million, six hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars uh, so you got to be careful. Again, work with a good advisor that keeps good records and an advisor that has a legacy plan in place so you know that things will transition within their practice. Honestly, Kevin, I can't wait, but I'm also fearful of 2030. I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen with that. It's That's going to create some mayhem having a 50% penalty on half a million dollars. And I, it's just it's going to start happening. 2030, it's going to go crazy. Well, one thing we can count on, Michael, is this will all change by 2030 anyway. (laughs) But some of these tax laws don't go away. So again, if you're a minor child, you can do a stretch, but up to the age of majority, if you're a disabled individual, you do have those uh, chances to be able to stretch the IRA, Mm -hmm. a chronically ill person, or a beneficiary that's not more than 10 years younger. So in other words, if you're maybe got an older sister or younger brother, but they're within that 10 year range of the IRA owner, they can still do the stretch IRA. And if you have questions on that, uh, give us a call, 574-968-SWAN, and uh, we'll help you through some of that information. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Well, I think we should fly through some of the other key provisions that occurred due to the SECURE Act, because I know we have a lot to talk about still. Um, So let's just kind of 
yeah. bullet some of the more simple ones off. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the first one I really kind of want to hit on because that's the one that's in front of my face on bullet points <laughs> is um, 529 accounts. So 529 accounts have changed due to the Secure Act. So <clears throat> a 529 account for a qualified student loan, you can now make up to a $10,000 payment annually. That's awesome because previously 529s were only for while you were in school. Qualified qualified expenses for education. Absolutely, precisely. But now a qualified expense is considered paying off part of a loan, which is really, really nice. I like that a lot. You know, we don't uh, feel too good about debt around here. So you can use that 529 plan up to $10,000 a year. Uh, to pay off of a school loan. I think that's a great change. Super awesome. And while we're talking about, you know, education, graduate students now can also contribute to IRAs. Whether they have earned income or not. I mean, if if it's based off of a fellowship or a stipend, they can contribute to an IRA, whereas previously that was never possible. So actually, in a way, the IRS is saying that fellowship or that stipend is, in fact, uh, pretty much an earned income in a way. I mean, they're not technically saying that, but they are waiving that. So you can still make that contribution into an IRA. That's a great idea. I love it. I think it's super awesome. And oh, new families. Isn't there something different with new families as well now? Yeah. The neat thing is uh, you can actually pull out $5,000 penalty free out of an IRA and an employer plan for the birth or adoption of a child. And again, that waives that 10% penalty, but just just so you know that it, you do have to pay taxes on that $5,000 you would withdraw. Yep, you're definitely right. And that's per spouse, correct? Yeah, per spouse. Awesome. And, and the money does not have to be used for the bills uh, for the birth of the child or the adoption. It can right. be used for any, any expenses that can be incurred from there. That's a great, great one. That's awesome. And what about a new, I mean, I also heard annuities were being added to 401k plans, Michael. How's that work? Yeah, you're definitely right. So there's a couple of parts of a 401k that is changing a little bit. So one part is it's going to begin giving people a better idea what their retirement income is going to be. So coming up whenever everything's able to get figured out and work through on the top of a 401k statement, there's going to be a number and it's going to say, Hey, this is about what your monthly income would be at retirement. If you were X age, so that's a good idea because a hundred thousand dollars seems like a good bit of money, but you know what? At the end of the day, that could just be $300 a month or something along those lines. So it's important that they're able to kind of throw that out there to give people a better visual and understanding that, hey, I need to save some more cash if I want some more money in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good idea because you have to be able to program those particular things. In Absolutely. And then on top of that, annuities are now being permitted into 401k plans as well. Um, so pretty much it was seen that annuities are a beneficial manner in order to save for retirement because it can create guaranteed incomes. Um, so that's a pretty cool, different little change that's going on. And again, um, as we've talked about the secure act and almost every other act that we will ever talk about, we always work through a few things. So this will start becoming more and more normal as time goes on and we kind of work off the rough edges. Exactly. Hey, one thing I would talk about real quick, if you don't mind, uh, is what's touch. And again, we're, we're not, uh, certified public accountants. We're not attorneys and that's our disclosure there. We work as advisors, um, and bringing all the information together. And we do work with those professionals, uh, to be able to have the expert tax advice. We're just trying to give you overall planning advice here too. Uh, but something happened to the trust, I believe, when a, when a beneficiary on an IRA uh, was a trust, 
uh, especially a con- what they call a conduit trust, I believe. Yep. Um, there's been a big change there, hasn't there, Michael? And, and there's been a very large change. If if you have an IRA and a trust, go get it reviewed. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing we can come to. And I'm going to tell you the conclusion before we even start. Go get it reviewed. Simple and easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's two kind of trust. There's a bit of a conduit trust. And then I'd say a discretionary trust. Of course, there's tons and tons of trust, but for example purpose. So what is a conduit trust? So a conduit trust pretty much has specific words that says that it's only going to pay out RMDs to trust beneficiaries over their lifetime. So conduit trusts are very, very specific in their words. And if you remember us speaking about how the stretch IRA is eliminated and there's a 10 year period and I'm able to take any amount of distribution I want from year one to nine, but at the end of the 10th year, I have a required minimum distribution, right? Right. So the conduit trust act is sort of like a stretch IRA almost in a way. Is that right? Actually not. The conduit trust says I can only take out the required minimum Uh, distribution. There's clarification. There we go. So a conduit trust says I can't touch those funds from years one through nine. And I have to take a full lump sum because that's my RMD at the end of year 10. And I'm going to have a very large tax burden at that point in time. So So if I got this right, if I have a, if I went and I had a trust set up that was an IRA trust and I had my IRA, IRA beneficiaries named as the trust and it was a conduit trust, that distributed RMD required minimum, required minimum distributions only that with the secure act change, there is only really one required minimum distribution now. And that is at the end of the 10 years. So if my money was still going to that trust, it would be put into that trust and 10 years from now would be the only time that distribution would be made. Precisely. That's probably not a good planning tool today and definitely needs to be reviewed, as you said. And see, you said something about a discretionary trust. How does that differ? Yeah. So there's a discretionary trust as well. And a discretionary trust is where the trustee has the power or the discretion to pay out funds to the trust beneficiaries or hold on and protect the funds and accumulate funds in the trust. Um, so this is better than the conduit trust. So if you, again, if you have a pass-through trust, a see-through trust, an IRA trust, go get that checked out. Probably right. a conduit trust. But a discretionary trust, it can hold funds in there. Any downside? I thought I thought that the trust taxes were pretty high. Yeah, that's the downside. So again, IRAs just most likely aren't the place for trust. Now, don't quote me on that. It's never, nothing's ever certain when it comes to finances and taxes and individual situations. Everything always changes. But if those funds are going to accumulate inside of the trust, they're going to be at a higher rate than what your individual tax rate is most likely, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. So what we're saying there is the trust may be appropriate for you on a discretionary trust. Make sure you get it checked out because my understanding is that uh, any type of income over 12,000, right around $13,000 is taxed at 37%. Wild. Which is the highest tax bracket on the individual basis. So again, uh, you could have uh, a very high tax bracket uh, on having a discretionary trust. Absolutely. And now if, if you have like a Roth IRA or something along those lines, now that trust could make sense, right? Because there's no taxes. The taxes have already been paid on a Roth IRA. Right. So that would be more beneficial to put inside a discretionary trust because normally when you're working with trust, it's because you want to control it right. from beyond the grave. So there's usually reasons why you want to do that, you know, whether it be a spendthrift trust or you just... 
you know, whatever your heart's desire is, it can be done. So a Roth IRA would be much better in a discretionary yeah, trust. Definitely. So again, planning, if you have a trust, if it's a conduit trust, definitely get it looked at right away. If it's a discretionary trust, you might want to take a look at the taxation and potentially even change the um, the overall funding, maybe from an, a regular IRA to a Roth IRA. Am I hearing you right? Yep. I would completely agree with that statement. Well, good deal. And I think uh, that's a good first part of this uh, uh, show right now. And uh, we'd like to ask folks if you have any questions or anything, give us a call 574-968-7926 or 574-968-SWAN or visit our website, uh, www.goldenyears-advisors.com and take a look at some of our past shows. Uh, Give us some feedback and some input on what you'd like to see on future shows. It's wonderful that y'all have been joining us. I know this kind of gets boring almost. We love this type of stuff, but (laughs) I understand that this can become a little bit overbearing, but but we're just going to keep on going. We've already talked about the Secure Act. We talked about the Tax Cuts and Job Act. So let's go ahead and begin a little bit with the CARES Act. So, Kevin, what, what's what's one of the biggest things that occurred during the CARES Act? Actually, Kevin, what is the CARES Act? What does that stand for? The CARES Act. Wow. We always come up with these great names. And the CARES Act has to do with the coronavirus. Uh, came out on March 27th, 2020. 20, where President Trump signed it into law, and that stands, the CARES Act stands for Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. And yes, I had to read it because I don't remember it off the top of my head, <laughs> but let's call it the CARES Act. And in this particular act, there's probably a couple things that really are sort of the bigger parts of this that combine with the SECURE Act and on and on. Um, one of the biggest things is the waiver of required minimum distribution. So like we talked about earlier, uh, the Secure Act, Secure Act brought up to the required minimum distribution at age 72, or for those already 70 and a half and had taken it in 2019, still take it, all right? And then all of a sudden we turned around three months later and now we waive the required minimum distributions. Well, just because we're waiving it this year, doesn't that mean we have to make it up next year? No, we don't. You know, if it's waived this year, it's done and over with. Uh, you do not have to make up the distribution from 2020. You actually start with your distribution in 2021. So it is a full waiver required minimum distribution. And, you know, that's that's a, it's an interesting philosophy and, and thought. And initially, a lot of people jumped uh, on sort of the bandwagon and said, hey, don't give me my RMD this year. Right, Michael? Yeah, tons, tons of people did. But didn't we say earlier in our first show that the reason people take required minimum distribution and wait till age, now age 72, is typically because they do not need the income and they are just required to have to take it. Didn't we not say that? Absolutely. Or else they would take it beforehand or they would take more than the minimum, right? Okay. So that's why they're waiving it. They don't need it. Is that correct? I would agree with that. Okay. Let's couple this real quick and we're trying to create an example is... And I'm trying to say that maybe if you waived your RMD, maybe it wasn't the right decision in your own particular situation. Because did we not say we're in the lowest, some of the lowest tax brackets in history? Yeah, we absolutely did. And those plan to go up in the future. Those plan to go up in the future. for So you might be waiving something just because you can right now to create more taxation in the future. It may make sense to actually take your required minimum distribution this year, depending on your tax bracket. It's better to pay 12% than it is 22, is it not? 
<laughs> that sounds like a 10% savings to that me. does sound like that too. So I'm just saying be a little contrarian in some of this sometimes. Think it through. Again, taxes, I'll say, just are on sale for these next five years. And while you want to waive that required minimum distribution, you may want to rethink that because you might be thinking, well, I'm going to waive the required minimum distribution and do a Roth conversion. Um, that doesn't go together very well. So again, working with a good financial advisor is a very important part. And why we're on RMD and required minimum distribution, and this doesn't really have to do with the CARES Act, but something the SECURE Act that we probably should have talked about, again, was this whole idea of the permanent QCD. Right. Which good stands point. for Qualified Charitable Distribution. So we want to revert just a little bit because we're going to build this up here of what a qualified charitable distribution is. Does it help us on our taxes, Michael? A hundred percent. I mean, especially if you're somebody that loves to give to charities. Yeah. And we mentioned before in our first episode of this that from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that our standard deductions are significantly higher now than they used to be. So it kind of, I'm not ever going to say it eliminated the goodwill that we've done, but you know, us giving to charities now is if we don't give more than what the standard deduction is, we don't get a fiscal benefit from that. Right. Do we? Most, most people, the, the whole, most people don't itemize anymore with the standard deduction going up and in your charitable contributions, uh, you used to fall under your itemized deduction schedule A, and now with the standard deduction, a lot of times you're not deducting the uh, schedule A because your standard deduction is higher. But is there a way that we could possibly, if I'm, uh, let's say that, let's just give an example. Let's say that my required minimum distribution is 10000 a year, and I want to give $10,000 a year to charity. I used to put it on my schedule A. Is there a way, a way that I can still have a tax benefit for doing this? Yeah, absolutely. As long as you're over the age of 70 and a half. Um, again, this is something that might get changed eventually, but it was originally set up to be at the RMD age, um, but it has stayed because it was a permanent law. So as long as you're above the age 70 and a half, you are allowed to give your required minimum distribution, or if you're in between, if you're in that gray area in between the age, it gets calculated for you. Uh, but you're allowed to give part or all of your RMD up to $100,000 to charity directly from an IRA and it comes off above the line. Really? So if I took uh, 10,000, I'll go back to my example. I have $10,000 in RMD and I want to give $10,000 to a local charity. Uh, you're telling me that uh, the organization or the custodian that I have my money with would send that $10,000 directly to that charitable organization Absolutely. and then I would not be taxed on that RMD of $10,000. Correct. That full $10,000 would go to that organization and you would not be taxed on it and it would reduce your adjusted gross income. And I still get my standard deduction. And you still get your standard deduction. That is a good idea. Folks, if you haven't heard about qualified charitable distributions, this is a permanent tax law. The qualified charitable distribution is one of the best, if I may say it that way, uh, tax strategies for those that have a charitable uh, charitable heart and want to give to charitable organizations. Don't overlook the qualified charitable distribution. Hey, under the CARES Act, going back to that, I think there's one other part that we ought to just touch on real quickly before we summarize some things. What's that? And that is a provision from the CARES Act that waives the 10% penalty uh, out of for employer plans uh, if you are affected in any way by the coronavirus. Yeah, that's a CRD, right? CRD. Coronavirus Relief Distribution. Yes, uh, the CRD, that's important. You can take out to up to $100,000 out of your employer plan without the 10% tax penalty. 
okay? And you can take it out, uh, distribution out of $100,000 out of the plan, and it also affects loans out of the plan too without having the 10% tax penalty. Um, you still pay taxes though. Of don't course. Forget. And don't forget that it also affects your overall retirement income. You take $100,000 out of your retirement plan, it increases your retirement income. And there's some tax privileges as far as paying loans back. You can do it over a three-year period. If you need information on that technically, uh, just give us a call, let us know, and uh, we'll we'll get some uh, technical answers to you on how that works. Yeah, absolutely, because there's some qualifying factors, right? I mean, if you are affected by it, tested positive, furloughed, so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. So we had the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the Secure Act, and the CARES Act. Let's go ahead and summarize these a little bit. Let's go ahead and touch very briefly on the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Kevin? Yeah, reduction of uh, tax bracket or expansion of tax brackets, reduction of tax rates. Exactly. That is Big deal. absolutely the biggest point. Secure Act? Secure Act. RMDs, required minimum distributions for qualified accounts, are now at 72. Yeah, and stretch IRAs are gone. Are eliminated. There is now a 10-year period. Again, you can take as many of the funds as you want out during that period, but at the end, all the funds must come out, period. Whether it's a Roth IRA or a qualified IRA, they must all come out. Right. In the CARES Act, probably the biggest thing out of that is the required minimum distribution being waived for 2020. So what kind of planning ideas uh, can be going on here as far as some uh, solutions, planning opportunities, maybe some things that people should be taking a look at? Why don't we summarize on that real quick? Yeah. So I'm going to hit you with two quick points. One of the most important points is only going to apply to some people, but if you have a trust, go get that reviewed. Yeah, reevaluate those beneficiaries the way the beneficiary statements are set up. But if you do have the trust, you bet, especially if it's uh, the conduit trust itself. Absolutely. You've got to get a review. And then again, the discretionary trust might be the right thing. But remember, the tax brackets on that trust are 37%. Correct. Correct. Um, and then also Roth conversions. I think that's one of the biggest things right now, Roth conversions. You know, Roth conversions, Michael, we, we talk about it on every appointment to see if it's appropriate. Uh, folks, it's a really good time to probably maximize your tax brackets in most situations, not every situation. Talk to a good financial advisor. I know that we here, we have a software program. We can run Roth conversion uh, scenarios. It, take advantage of these tax brackets. Like we said, they're on sale for the next five years. And you know what, as an overall, if you've got these funds that are sitting in money that's never been taxed, if you could save even 10% over the next five years on those monies, uh, that could be a substantial amount of wealth. But Roth conversions, uh, if you haven't looked at it before, put it on your bullet point list. It has to be looked at. Exactly. It's worth an evaluation. Just like with everything else, there's advantages and disadvantages. Disadvantage here is we're going to get taxed a little bit earlier and we're not 100% sure what the tax bracket's going to be. But Chances are it's going to be greater than what it is today. Exactly. So something that's worth an evaluation and something to seriously consider. So what is another aspect of, you know, financial planning in general that has, let's say, gotten upgraded due to all these different acts? Well, one area that is maybe people don't like to talk about it a whole lot because you say life insurance and everybody turns the radio over to another podcast. So, um, <laughs> you know, but life insurance itself has became a very a strong solution. Uh, again, life insurance uh, it has some very, very good tax advantages to it when it comes to the payout of proceeds, uh, potentially even generating uh, tax-free income, uh, some different things. So when a person takes a look at 
they they have an IRA account that maybe they're taking RMD on because they don't necessarily need the income. They're going to pass it on to their children or legacy planning, um, and they want to be able to provide a tax efficient structure to that. They may they may want to sit back and take a look at a couple things, Michael. One, take a look at what Roth conversions could do for that money, and then taking a look at how life insurance may be able to arbitrage or leverage those funds into a greater tax free benefit. Uh, typically, better to give. Uh, money on a tax-free basis than a taxable basis. So life insurance, and in being, I guess, life insurance becomes a great tool, especially when it comes to th- like even grandchildren. Because remember, grandchildren are not of that one classification. They're going to have the ten-year rule, not like the minor child rule. Yeah, you're definitely right, and I think children too. Yeah. I would love for you to have life insurance. You know, <laughs> well, I do. So aren't you in luck? But I think as an overall, you know, that's a good area to look at. It's time to revisit almost your entire plan. We're talking about beneficiaries, uh, Roth conversions, uh, potential leverage through life insurance, and obviously tax bracket management, qualified charitable distributions. A lot of things have happened in these last few years tax-wise. And while it might not be the most energizing conversation out there, this particular area could save you a large amount of wealth, Michael. I couldn't agree with you more. Very important. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. And please, if anyone has questions, feel free to ask us. If we don't know the answer, we'll find out the answer for you. or direct you to the correct person that has that answer for you. Um, these, There's a lot to deal with all these acts. So I know we didn't hit on everything and we didn't explain all the exceptions and so on and so forth. So please educate yourself a little bit more. Reach out um, or we'll reach out to someone else for you. Yeah, so uh, if you have questions here, you can contact us at 574-968-SWAN, 574-968-7926, where SWAN stands for Sleep Well at Night, or contact us on our uh, webpage, uh, www.goldenyears-advisors.com. We'd love to talk to you and hear what you have to say about our shows and our podcasts and what you'd like to hear a little bit more about. So until next week, thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Swansong Financial Show. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Kevin and Michael Anthony at Golden Years Financial Advisors. Call 574-968-7926 or visit them online at goldenyears-advisors.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. Insurance products and services are offered through Golden Years Planning Services, Inc. and Anthony Financial Services affiliated companies. Kevin Anthony, Michael Anthony, Golden Years Financial Advisors, Inc. and Anthony Financial Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.